0: We are, we are in chapter 3, and we are doing the prefaces, the, uh, what is it, five prefaces, was it five? And uh, someone who's looking in the text can tell me, the beginning of chapter 3, how many prefaces it says there are in ch- the beginning of chapter 3. The first preface was a recap of the seven qualities that we had discussed already in Chapter 2, the seven qualities which elicit and command trust. We finished that, and we finished that with a lengthy elaboration, if you remember in the previous class, with a lengthy elaboration on the idea of Hashem's total control and we got into the nature of reality and the nature, precisely, uh, but more precisely, the nature of created reality as something that is under Hashem's constant control because it is a creation, something from nothing. Okay. Now we're ready to move on to the second preface. The second preface. Let's look inside the text. And the second preface... A person should know, and it should be clear for him, that the blessed creator, Mashkif is supervising him, watching him, and nothing is hidden from him, not his revealed parts or his hidden parts, and his really hidden parts, and his apparent parts hashem knows everything your insides and your outsides including what including the im lai if your bittochen in him is with a full heart or not he even knows whether your betochen is completely sincere kasher amara kosov like the verse says hashem yedea machface adam ki haymohavel uh, Hashem knows the thoughts of man that they are vain, if in fact they, they are vain, meaning that the person uh, purports to be a big balbitochin but isn't really holding there. Okay, the Amr, and it says, Does Hashem not know the content of hearts, meaning he knows what you really feel? Or, uh, like I heard one time somebody say, You can't lie a prayer. You can't lie a prayer. If you're talking to Hashem, no point in lying. There's no such thing. And it says, And you alone know the hearts of all men. So the second preface is you have to know that Hashem knows what you're really thinking. In your heart of hearts. Deep down. I heard once a vort. I don't know the source of it, but uh, I heard it and I liked it. In Pirkei Ovis it says, she'ain ish" In a place where there is no man, ish, Strive to be a man. Now the simple meaning, generally, is where nobody's stepping forward. Ish here, by the way, I don't want to needlessly genderize it as if it means a male and not a female. Ish here means, you know, like, like, like we say, you know, uh, be the man, right? Step up and, you know, take charge. So in a place where nobody's being the the adult in the room. Nobody's being the responsible one. So therefore, strive to be the the Ish, the the responsible one. That's the simple uh, reading. But I'll tell you a vart that I heard. Like I said, I don't know the source. If anyone knows the source, you you could let me know. But makam ain't Ish, in the place where there is no person. What's a place where there is no person? The moon. Where is there a place where there is no person? You know where there is no person? And there can never be any other person? Here. And here. In your mind and in your heart, no person has access there. Nobody knows what you're really thinking. Nobody knows what you're really feeling. But Malcolm Shane Ish, in the place where no person knows what you're really thinking or feeling, there's where you have to ish, there you have to be an ish, a mensch, be a mensch. not just what people see, but in your heart of hearts, in, the, in your deepest thoughts, there's where you have to be an ish. There's, there's where you have to be a mensch. Okay. What does it mean that Hashem knows whether a person's trust is sincere or not? I mean, as far as this being a hakdama or a preface. So, I just want to clarify that there are a couple of pshatim, there are a couple of uh, meanings here. Um, the marpe Nefesh, which was one of the commentaries of Chavit Selvavus, we mention a lot, he says that it's actually conditional, that your betokhin must be real. And if it's not real, it's not going to work. That's that's what this preface means. That you have to be totally congruent with it. It can't be for show. Uh, the pas is a little bit more lenient. Baruch Hashem, you know, thank God for the the, the 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 shot of the pas lechem here. He says that's not what it means. It doesn't mean that your betochin must be hundred percent sincere or it doesn't work. What he what he says this preface means is, you have to know that Hashem knows if your betochen is real or not. That's a little bit more uh, attainable. In other words, even if my betochen isn't 100%, at least I know, I have no doubt, that Hashem knows how real or not real my betochen is. And that's what the uh, the, the, the paslachim explains. Like I said, a little bit more attainable. Okay. When this is clear to the person who is Attempting to have trust. It is not fitting for a person to profess that he has trust if he does not have trust in his heart and in his inner self. Because if he doesn't, then he's in the category of those regarding whom it is says it is said Vasfosov Kibduni, they honor me with their mouth and their lips, Mimeni, but their heart they keep far from me. That's from Yeshio, from the prophet Isaiah. And that's not a good thing. He's lamenting the sorry spiritual state of the people who are hypocritical and uh, who act pious but who don't really believe. Okay, so one should obviously not be like that. All right, now, here's a question. Let's say we're struggling with the level of sincerity of our Bitochen. And let's say we where we're worried for the opinion of the and Nefesh, that the Betachin is actually conditional upon uh, it's working properly. I hate to say it though; it sounds so cynical and mercenary. But that it's working properly is dependent upon uh, it being real. Okay, or even let's say it's we're not worried for the and Nefesh, but. After all, you know, we want to get close to Hashem. We want to align ourselves with Hashem. So what do you do when your betochin is not so strong? Okay. That's a good question. So what do you do when your betochin is not so strong? If indeed one of the, one of the prefaces is you have to be aligned with this. It can't be fake. All right. I want to share with everybody a video. Okay. Let's see. Yeah. And God so much bless you to go from strength to strength and loss and they have much success in the new project in, uh, in every addition to the old project and so they seem to have more profit from God of and to have more profit from God of So more profit from God not my version more profit Okay, so I, I, I'm just pausing So you see here the Abba tells this is at the, the Machni Yisrael uh, Yichidus Klolos downstairs in seven seventy. So the Rebbe says, if you have more Betochen then you have more Parnosa And the Rebbe says, I'm not saying it. As I state this is what it says in, in, in the in the books. Okay, but what are you supposed to do to have more Betochen That's what we're talking about. Okay, I know betochin good, more Betochen and uh, more Parnosa and more everything. All right, but what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Function in favor was the with the public and then in favor from that you have a special chart, special a package, special chapter about middle of the token. Because of that you do need to be talking because you have it in check. the of the Anyway, so. Here's the good news. Let's say our Bitochin isn't 100% uh, where it could be right now. We're doing exactly what we need to be doing in order to catch it up. This is, this is the work. Learning Shari Bitochin is the work. So you're in the right place. Just you know, keep coming back and uh, we'll get it. Bez Hashem. We're going to get it. Okay. Now let's uh, continue, let's do the, uh, the third preface, we'll be able to cover the third preface today and then we'll probably have to, uh, to pause, okay, and the third preface, okay, so the first preface was knowing all of those seven conditions, or those seven factors rather, that instill trust, and how Hashem exclusively lives up to those seven conditions. The second preface was that you have to know that Hashem knows if you're faking. Let's say it positive. You have to know that Hashem knows how real it is. Okay? What's the third preface? The third preface. That a person should trust in Hashem alone, exclusively in matters in which he is obligated to trust in him. Okay, what does that mean? In matters that he's obligated to trust in him, that implies there are other areas where you don't use betochen. That's true, and we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. We did say there is such a concept as where betochen is inappropriate, and we're going to get to it, but let, that's an exception, not the rule. So let's, let's not worry about that yet. Okay, where you need to have betochen, which is most things, okay? The rule is betochen. The betochen has to be exclusively in Hashem. You can't mix and match, is what he's about to say. Don't partner anyone else with him. And trust in Hashem as well as one of the created beings. Don't do that. Don't, don't combine them. Because in trusting in Hashem with one of his created beings, you end up losing. The trust. Now, Now, what does that mean? You end up losing the trust. So, you know, one explanation is Hashem basically responds in kind and says, okay, you want to trust in something other than me? Great, so go ahead. I'll let you trust in that thing. Now, what does that really mean? Because we just got done explaining last class at length how nothing is... Random and Hashem controls everything and there are no forces other than Hashem So Hashem is always controlling everything. We spoke about this in an early class early in this series how remember we spoke about uh, How to reconcile Tedus Sabal Shem with the Rambam and Meirah and Nevochem Hashkoch HaKrotes and Hashkoch HaKlolis What we said is that even when it's it's Hashkoch even when um, things appear random they appear random and it's actually it's an Einish. For taking Hashem casually, so he'll give you a world that appears casual, meaning appears, appears random, where things seem to happen by coincidence, rather than by, by design. Okay, so obviously, even when we say, Hashem says, oh, you want to trust in that thing? Fine, so that thing's going to take care of you. It doesn't mean that that thing actually becomes a god, you know, chatz shalom, and actually runs your life. What it means is, Hashem will then engineer things to replicate the experience of being at the whim of that created being does that make sense the way we just explained it okay but at any rate the point is if you combine anything else with meaning you, you try to hedge your bets i guess yeah be talking in hashem plus a little bit of you know this and that no it doesn't work you end up losing the whole thing all right continuing in the text and you already know, you already know that which it is said about Asa. Who was Asa? Asa was a king in the time when Yeravim, Yeravim was a very, very wicked king, was the king of Yisroel. So Asaf was his contemporary. He was the king of Yehuda. And Asaf was an okay guy, but uh, what we're going to say here. Is that he uh he, he messed up. Okay. Um like it says about Asa, Im hasidusai and his piety, Shasamach al that even though he was a good king, he was a good guy, he 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 was pious. Nevertheless, he relied on the doctors. Now compare that to the other king, you know, his rival king at that time. You know, Yerovam was an oivda and he was machdi Rabim. not a good guy. Asaf was a good guy, but where was he lacking? He had too much trust in doctors. He re- relied on doctors. Dirsiv, like it says in Divri Hayomim, ve'gam Even in his illness, he did not seek out Hashem. He berayif him, but rather he sought out doctors. And he was punished for that. And the verse says, not specifically about Osif, but about all of us, that blessed is the one who trusts in Hashem and makes Hashem his refuge. Okay, now hold on a second. What does this mean? This is like the lahavdil, uh, the, the Christian scientists you know, that they won't go to doctors? Because they say that if Hashem wanted me to be well, then he then he wouldn't make me sick. And if he wants me to get better, then he'll, then he'll heal me. And you just have to have uh, faith and you'll be okay. And don't go to doctors. God forbid. God forbid. Okay. There's a very basic concept in Torah that permission was granted to the healer to heal. And that when we need healing, if God forbid we're in the need of healing, we go to a doctor, and we spoke about this earlier, when you need to make money, obviously all parnassa comes from Hashem, but you have to give him plausible deniability, you have to give him a cover, an alibi, so you go to work, or you have investments, or whatever it is to you know, explain why you have this, 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 this gift which is actually bread from heaven, which is actually mon, but really it comes in a, in a, in a lavush like it's natural. Same thing with healing, healing is really all from God, but you have to have plausible deniability, so it has to come through natural channels, and that means you see doctors, and that means you do what's normal, and that means you, you, you rely on conventional medical wisdom because it has to be normal, it has to be natural. Okay, but the thing is, you have to understand, the doctor is just a conduit. We spoke about this, I think, in the very first class. I think I mentioned teiv the legehenem. Remember, in the very first class, we spoke about the teiv shaberayfim seventeen. The doctor who tells Hashem, I'll daven seventeen out of the eighteen brachas of Shemini Esre because the brach of Reif I don't need to ask Hashem to be a Reif Echelim because Yich Ben Alein Reif Echelim. So I, I, I'm already, a, I'm already a doctor. So I don't need to trouble God for that, right? So we have to know like this: the the, the mistake. The mistake that Osa made was not that he sought doctors. You're supposed to go to doctors. But that he felt that his refuel was coming not because Hashem was sending it through doctors, but because the doctors were that good. You're not supposed to think that's what the doctors think. (laughs) The doctors think it's coming, the healing's coming because they're that good. Okay? Unless they're you know, good, you know the, the, the humble doctors, then they know it's not really them. They know they're the pipeline. And you have to go to medical school, and you have to study, you have to do you know, all, that, all those things in order to be a, a conduit so that it's plausible deniability. But I just want to tell you there's limits to that as well, like how realistic the cover has to actually be. I, I, I'll tell you a story. The story is about the Chotokov Rebbe. Rabbi Sral, who lived in uh, Vienna during the interwar years, and uh, in those days Vienna was known as a, a cosmopolitan city, and especially was a center of medical schools. The top medical schools in Europe were all in in Vienna, in Austria. So there was one time there was this uh, a Jew who was a successful businessman. He was not religious, and uh, he had a friend or an acquaintance who was a, a chortakov chassid in Vienna. So the businessman who wasn't religious he became ill, and he went to all he went to he came to Vienna because he was he wanted all the experts. The experts were in Vienna, right? He went from expert to expert, and they couldn't help this businessman, and and he gave up hope. But then he mentioned it to this friend, to this acquaintance who was a chassid, and the chassid told him you should you go to my rebbe. Go to my Rebbe for a bracha. Now this guy wasn't religious, that wasn't like a normal thing for him to go get a bracha from a Rebbe, but uh, he felt he exhausted all the options. He'd seen, he was in Vienna, he went to all the world experts who are all there in Vienna and nobody could help him. Okay, so this, uh, the businessman went to the Chortokov Rebbe, Rabbi Sro, and uh, the Rebbe told him, go see Dr. So-and-so. That's what he told him. Go see Dr. So-and-so. Now, Dr. So-and-so was a family doctor. He was a general practitioner, you a GP, a family doctor in Vienna. Like, not a specialist, not a prominent person, just, you know, a regular family doctor. And this businessman is thinking, I went to all the top specialists in the big city of Vienna, and nobody could help me. And now, this Hasidic rabbi tells me to go to this little family doctor who treats uh, colds and flus. Okay, But whatever, (laughs) he had no no choice. He he had exhausted all options. So he went to this little doctor. And in short, long story short, this family doctor gave some type of uh, treatment. And in a very short time, the the businessman was completely healed, Complete, complete healing. So he was grateful, but he was confused. So he went back to the Chortu Kavarebbe to ask, to, first of all, to thank him, but also to ask, what happened here? So uh, when he went there, he said, you know, what happened? I don't understand. I saw the biggest specialists, and then you sent me to this little family doctor, and, and he healed me, and the specialist couldn't heal me. The Chortu Kavarebbe said, the words from the Gemara that Rashi brings in Parshas Mishpatim, there's, there's a verse, "Verapa yirapeh, that he should provide his healing, and that verse is expounded on by our sages, where they say "mikan." Mikan means from here, from this uh, verse in Scripture. That permission was given to the healer to heal. Okay, mikan from this, from this scriptural verse, that comes the basis for the Jewish idea that that physicians were given permission to heal or to be a conduit for healing. Okay. So the, the businessman asked the Chotokarov, what, what happened to me? How did the little GP fix everything that the, the specialist couldn't fix? So he says to him, no, I can't, I can't he just quoted that line. So that didn't explain things any better. He, he was still just as confused. So Rabbi Sraou had a son, his eventual successor, Rabdaivber. Rabbi Daivber. Rabbi by the way, was named for Rabbi Sro, by Rabbi way, was named for the Magad. I think Chotakov stems from, from, I think their, 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 their yichus is, is through the Maggit, I believe. Um, maybe through Ruzhin. that I'm not sure, actually. But I believe so. At any rate, so the businessman asks Reb Doivber, the son, the Rabbi's son, what, what did your father mean? Mikan rapes. he pointed where they were standing, in the holy Zimmer in the room where his father, Abisro had uh, welcomed so many broken-hearted people who came in to ask for blessings. Abdoiwa pointed, and he says, Mikan, from this room, Shednitna rishus l'reife l'reapis. You think the doctor heals because he's that good? No. The doctor heals because he's chosen as a messenger, as a shliach from Hashem. And where does that happen? Mikan, mikan, From this room where the blessings of a tzaddik are given, that's how the doctor is chosen to be able to deliver the healing. So that's why the little GP was able to do something that all the specialists in Vienna weren't able to do. Okay. Let's, uh, let's finish off this section here. Umina Yadua, It's known. It's a known principle in life. odom. If you appoint people, we're not even talking about mixing and, match, and matching trust in Hashem with trust in a person. But even when it comes to people, if you appoint two people to a task, shnei mamunim, two appointees, ayeser, or, or even more than that, lasei to do something, Minuyai Mufsad, his appointment is spoiled, meaning he doesn't do the job. Or like they say, you know, what, what, what's a camel? A horse put together by committee. <laughs> One person is responsible, then, then it gets done properly. A whole group of people are responsible, then, then nothing gets done. Okay. Now that's with people. Kol Shekein, <speaking> how much more so? Misha Botachal Hu Alekim <speaking> say, someone who trusts in Hashem and someone or something in addition to Hashem. She <speaking> Soser he, he breaks, he, he ruins the, the effect of the trust. This becomes the biggest factor in his being denied the object of his trust. Like it says, Cursed is the man who trusts in man. And he makes flesh his strength, meaning his object of trust. While he removes his heart from Hashem. What does it mean, oror? What does it mean he's cursed? Ooh, a curse. What is this, a voodoo hex? God forbid. Curse is very simple. Curse is cause and effect. Like we were saying before. You want to mix and match? You want to rely on things other than Hashem? Then you're going to get exactly those results. You're going to get the... Re- God forbid. God forbid. I'm not saying this about anyone, but I'm saying if we decide that we want to rely on something imperfect, okay, fine, then we've chosen imperfect results. Okay. Okay. And that is the end of the third preface. Thanks for uh, sticking with me. And Emet Hashem, tomorrow night we'll continue with preface number four.